Amen. Glory be to God the Father, and to God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Lord is our salvation. We need to know the Lord, and we need to know that we're saved. And the good news is that we can know the Lord, and we can know that we are saved. Salvation is God's free gift that we receive through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. When we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, was buried, and rose again. And when we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10 that we will be saved. We can be saved, and we can know that we're saved. There are many who think that they are saved, but yet they've not truly believed Jesus died for their sins and rose again. They've not ever really confessed with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. They are not truly saved. There are also some who know Christ. They've believed in Him. They've confessed Him. Yet they don't know that they're saved. They have doubts and concerns and confusion and questions and fears about their salvation. And I want you to understand something this morning. Either one of those places is a really hard place to be. If you think you're saved but you're not, it's a hard place to be. Because the Holy Spirit has to convict your heart of sin and righteousness and judgment. Or else you're never going to know you're lost. I was there at one point in my life. And I'm telling you, as a six-year-old boy, I really thought that I was okay. When I was two weeks old, the first place my parents brought me out of the household was the church. The second place they took me was to Ray Winderfield to a baseball game in North Little Rock. They took me to church. And man, there's no telling how many times I had heard the name Jesus mentioned. And I had heard somebody talk about sin and salvation. But it didn't click until one day on the playground at recess, a friend in the grade above me named Chase. I don't even know his last name. I don't even know where he is, but he told me that Jesus had saved him from his sins. And he explained to me that because of our sin, we're separated from God. And the only way we can be forgiven and that we can return to God is if we believe Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose again. And I'm telling you, what happened that day at school and what happened over the next few days is I realized that because I was a sinner, I was separated from God. And that the only way I could be forgiven is if I trusted in Jesus to save me. And man, those were a hard few days. Because I had to come to terms and realize that I was not a good person. That I had sinned. And that I needed forgiveness. And that without Jesus, I couldn't have forgiveness. But it was wonderful that Sunday night when I came to my mom 
and said, Mama, I need to be saved. And I need to be saved right now. And she went and grabbed my dad from the other end of the house. And we knelt down on the living room floor. And they tried to ask me all kinds of questions about sin and Jesus and salvation. And I knew the answers. But the problem is I hadn't trusted in Jesus yet. And when I bowed on the floor with my face in the couch and prayed and asked Jesus to forgive me my sins and come into my life, all of a sudden all those fears and doubts and concerns and questions just faded away because I knew Jesus had forgiven me. That happened when I was six years old, guys. And you know what happens in life? You continue to go on. I've struggled at times in my own Christian life. How much did I really understand at six years old? I've struggled at times in my Christian life. Man, I have sinned more after I've been a Christian than before I was a Christian. I mean, just do the math. I'm 35 years old. I've had longer time to live life as a Christian than I did before I was a Christian. I've struggled. Lord, did I really come to know you? That's a hard place to be in life. But when you go back to God's Word, and it simply says, if you believe in your heart that God raised His Son Jesus from the dead, and if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. It's not based upon my feelings. It is based upon the fact of the Word of God. And when I have faith in what Jesus has done for me and the Savior that He is, I have assurance of my salvation, peace that goes beyond all understanding. And so if you're here this morning and you're in one of those two places, either you think you're saved but you're really not, I want you today to be saved and to know you're saved. If you're here today and you're saved but you're struggling with some thoughts and some feelings, some doubts and questions and concerns, I want you to know that you're saved today. About a month ago, I talked to you about the importance of putting on the full armor of God from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. And I talked to you about putting on the full armor of God because we're engaged in a spiritual war. Though I focused much of the sermon that morning on the piece of the armor called all prayer, I also mentioned another piece of that armor called the helmet of salvation. In Ephesians six seventeen, we are called as Christians to take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I want you to understand that this command does not mean that we as Christians need to get saved all over again. Once you belong to Jesus, you belong to Him. He holds you forever in His hand and nobody can snatch you out of His hand. That's what Jesus Himself said in John chapter 10. But this command to take up the helmet of salvation does mean that if we are going to stand firm against the schemes of Satan and live in the victory of Christ Jesus our Lord, then we need to be assured of our salvation in Christ. 
That's taking up the helmet of salvation. Knowing that you're saved. A helmet protects a person's mind. And when you have that protection, it gives you the courage to charge ahead. So this morning, I want to ask you to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, so that we can also take up the helmet of salvation and be assured, based upon God's Word, not our opinions or somebody else's thoughts, that we are saved in Christ. So I want to invite you to open up your Bible to 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. And as you're turning to that passage of Scripture, I want to share a few thoughts with you. Just like the Gospel of John has a clearly stated purpose of writing at the end of the book, so this letter of 1 John has a clearly stated purpose of writing at the end of the letter. So if we want to understand 1 John 1, 1 through 7, or any of the other verses that are found in 1 John, then we need to understand that purpose that John wrote all of these words. And that purpose is stated in 1 John 5, 13. John said, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. In other words, John wrote this letter to believers so that we could take up the helmet of salvation. So that we can know that we know that we are saved. 1 John chapter 1 verses 1 through 7. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. This is the message we have heard from Him and declare to you, that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, then we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Throughout the first few verses of 1 John that we just read, we are given a test that tells the truth about our faith in Christ. And if we'll allow the Holy Spirit to examine our hearts today with His Word, you'll find out 
whether or not you are truly saved. This test is a test of fellowship. And it assures us of our salvation. Here's the test. The test of Christian fellowship tells the truth about our faith in Christ. I want to invite you to take this test with me today. Because God wants you to be saved. And He wants you to know that you're saved. Will you take the test? Good. Here's the first question on this test. The first question is the how of fellowship. This is a test of fellowship, and the first question has to do with how we fellowship. The Oxford Dictionary defines the word fellowship as friendly association, especially with people who share one's interests. When it comes to Christian fellowship, We need to be mindful of how we have fellowship with one another and of how we have fellowship with the Lord. In verses 1 through 4, we find out that the first way we have true fellowship is by the word of life. It's by the word of life. What makes you a Christian? What makes you saved? According to the Bible here in 1 John verses 1 through 4, it's Jesus that makes you a Christian. It's Jesus who saves you. Nothing else and no one else. John said, we we have heard him. We've seen him. We've looked upon him. Our hands have handled him. The author of these words was John the disciple. He heard Jesus speak. He saw Jesus walk this earth. He actually touched the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Leaned upon his bosom in the Last Supper. John knew intimately the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible describes Jesus as the Word of God. The one who was from the very beginning. And the Bible says that the Word who has eternally existed with the Father became flesh and He dwelt among us. John beheld His glory, the only begotten Son of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. And John said, guys, if you want to know whether or not you've been saved, the first question you need to know is, do you truly know Jesus? You cannot be saved apart from Jesus Christ. That is how you have fellowship as a Christian with other brothers and sisters in Christ. That is how you have fellowship with God in heaven. It's through Jesus and through Jesus alone. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So this question you need to ask yourself is how do I have Christian fellowship? Is it through the word of life? Or is it by some other way that I've been expecting to be saved? What makes you a Christian? What makes you saved? I want you to pay attention. What makes you a Christian is not the political party you support. 
What makes you a Christian is not the school that you attend or did attend. What makes you a Christian is not the sports team that you like. It's not the money that you have. It is not the job that you, you, that you work. It is not the last name of your family. It is not your own name on the church membership roll. What makes you a Christian is faith in God's Son, Jesus Christ. You only have fellowship with God through faith in His Son, the Word of life. Jesus is the Word of life, and He is the one who saves you and makes you a Christian. Is your Christian fellowship based upon your faith in Christ, or is it based upon something else? If you are thinking you're saved because of any other reason, you don't pass this test. But folks, when it comes down to it, if you know the only reason that you're saved is simply because Jesus died for you and rose again, you're saved. I want you to know that. Do you know it? God wants you to know it. He wants you to know that you're saved and you're saved through faith in Jesus Christ. The second way we have fellowship is by walking in the light. We see this in verses 5 and 6 and 7. John said, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. That is, God is righteous, he's holy. There is no sin in him at all, whatsoever. No wrong, no evil. So John said that if we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we don't practice the truth. Jesus told the people in John chapter 8 verse 12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but he'll have the light of life. We cannot walk in the darkness and in the light at the same time. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in the darkness, we lie. We don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He's in the light, then we do have fellowship with one another. And the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. The second way that we have fellowship is by walking in the light. And this is where there's a lot of rub for Christians, right? One of my heroes in the faith, Adrian Rogers, used to say this. The most miserable person on the face of this planet is not a lost person who doesn't know they need to be saved. Do you know that a lot of times sinners who don't know the Lord are as happy as they can be doing whatever they want to do? They haven't yet realized the full weight and the consequences of their poor choices. They're happy living their sin-filled life until the Holy Spirit convicts them and then they're miserable. You want to know the most miserable people sitting in this room this morning? It's those who are living with unconfessed sin as Christians. Why? Because you've come to follow Jesus in the light and you're trying to bring things from the kingdom of darkness that you've been taken out of. And it doesn't work. When you walk in the light, you can't bring things from the darkness into the light. What happens is the light exposes those things in the darkness and the Lord calls you to get rid of those things. To repent of evil and to turn towards Him. 
And you might be sitting there thinking, Jake, there's no way I can be saved. I'm living with this sin in my life and I feel horrible about it and miserable about it all the time. Can I share a thought with you? That guilt and that shame and that embarrassment and that struggle that you're dealing with may not be a sign that you're unsaved. It might be a sign that you are saved because there's no reason you'd feel bad about it if Jesus wasn't in your life. And listen to me. Some of you just need to get rid of the darkness that's in your life. God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. And if you're trying to bring things from the darkness into the light, God is going to shine His light on those things in your life. And He's going to say, you need to stop telling lies and you need to speak the truth. And He's going to say, you need to stop hating people and you need to forgive them. And He's going to say, you need to stop turning to drugs or to pornography or to alcohol to drown your problems and you need to come to me because I'm the only one who can give you the healing that you need. You need to turn away from those things that Jesus has already forgiven you of and walk in the light. The test of fellowship is a test that we pass when we walk in God's light. Christians walk by faith, not by sight. Christians walk in God's truth, not in men's opinions. We walk in the light, not in the darkness. Are you walking in the light or are you walking in the darkness? God wants you to know that you're saved. If you're walking in the light and He's showing you things that you need to get rid of in your life. Get rid of them. Know that you're saved. And walk fully and freely in the light of God's Son, Jesus Christ. This is the test of Christian fellowship. And it shows us, it tells us the truth about our faith in Christ. Now some of you may be here this morning too. And the truth is the Holy Spirit has convicted you at times in your life about things that you've done and about the way you've been living. But you just kind of push it out of your mind. You continue living like you want to live. If you're not walking in the light, you're walking in the darkness. You're, you're, you're not saved. You're lost. And God wants you to come out of the darkness and into the light. And He'll bring you. The Bible says He'll rescue you out of the domain of darkness and transfer you into the kingdom of His beloved Son. Are you walking in the light or are you walking in the darkness? Not only did John question the how of our fellowship in this test, he also questioned the who of our fellowship in this test. The who of fellowship. This is the second question in this test. And I want you to see this in verses 3 and verse 7. When we place our trust in Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins, who was buried and rose again, then we enter into fellowship with the family of God, brothers and sisters in Christ. 
And we also enter into fellowship with God himself as our Father in heaven. As believers in Jesus Christ, we are brothers and sisters in the faith. Through faith in Jesus Christ, God Almighty is our Father in heaven. The test of Christian fellowship tells us the truth about our faith in Christ. Look back at verse 3. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Look at verse 7. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. I want you to hear me and understand me. If you truly know Jesus, then you have brothers and sisters in Christ. You are spiritually related through the blood of Jesus Christ that has washed you clean of your sin. Brother is not a title that you use to refer to a Baptist preacher. You can call me Brother Jake all you want to. But if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, I can call you a brother or sister too. Do you know that? It's just the fact. Isn't it wonderful to think about that? That we are family members in the household of God. I want to ask you this question. Are you a true family member of the household of God? You say, Jake, what do you mean? These people in this room who are true believers in the Lord Jesus Christ... Could you call yourself your brother? Or could you call yourself their brother or their sister? Could you really do that? When you say Brother Jake, is that just some respectful title that you use in the Bible Belt of Southern America? Or is that a word that you're using to refer to me as somebody who holds the same faith in their heart that I do? That's a big question, isn't it? And man, hey, it's wonderful to be able to answer yes to that. It's wonderful that I can look Ray Stone in the face and call him Brother Ray. I know Jesus and he knows Jesus. We're brothers. It may sound weird to you, but it's wonderful that I can look at my wife and call her sister Stephanie. You thought it was weird that we married cousins in Arkansas, didn't you? (laughs) Hey, listen to me, folks. When you really know the Lord and there's true Christian fellowship, there is a bond that cannot be broken between believers. It's amazing to see how true brothers and sisters in the faith love one another. It's amazing to see how when there's a woman taking care of her husband at the house because he's ill and not doing well, how a group of ladies will surround her and come and visit her, pray with her, and encourage her, and shower her with gifts and love. I want to ask you this morning, do you truly have fellowship with brothers and sisters in the faith? Not only 
do we have fellowship with one another? We have fellowship with God himself through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. When we come to know Jesus, we have brothers and sisters in the family of God, but we have a Father who is good and gracious to us all of the time. He showers us with blessings, with mercy, with grace. He bestows upon us benefits that we do not deserve, but that He gives freely to us because we are His children. Our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And this is what is so wonderful about having true fellowship with the Father. No matter what you do, He loves you and you know it. If you truly know Jesus, you have a Father in heaven who will never turn His back on you. No matter how far astray you go. All you have to do is simply turn around in repentance and He's right there with His arms wide open, willing to forgive you every single time. Do you have a Father like that? If you know Jesus, you do. If you don't know Jesus, you can have a Father like that if you'll simply come to Him in faith. This is the who of fellowship. Do you pass the test when you ask yourself, do I truly have fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ? Do I truly have fellowship with the Father in heaven? I shared with you earlier that we, we need to put on this helmet of salvation. And we, we really do. We need to know that we're saved. I asked if I could borrow something this morning. And Mr. Gunnar Telemeyer helped me out. So thank you to Gunnar. Appreciate it, buddy. This, this, I told him this has to protect his Goldilocks hair every Friday night at football games. In Ephesians chapter 6, the helmet of salvation uh, really would have called to mind in that day and time the armor of a soldier going into war, going into battle. Though our soldiers in the military do wear helmets, I was trying to think of a way that may communicate a little bit better to you exactly what putting on the helmet of salvation does for us as believers on a daily basis. And I want you to understand a few things. Gunner does not have to wear this helmet in order to be on the Walnut Ridge High School football team. He's not wearing it right now, but is he still on the football team? Yeah. Rather, he received this helmet because he is on the Walnut Ridge High School football team. The only reason he got one of these is because he's a member of that team. Coach Blake seems like a nice guy, but I think if I walk in the locker room and say, hey, coach, hook me up with a helmet, I don't think he's going to do that. Why? I'm not on the team. I also want to share this with you. Gunner does have to wear this helmet at all times when he's on the football field in order to play, or they're not going to let him play. This helmet protects him when he's on the football field. But I also want you to think about this. This helmet does not guarantee 
that Gunner will not ever get a concussion. It protects him. It'd be a whole lot better to get hit with a helmet on than without a helmet. But it doesn't mean he's never going to get hit. He wears it because he knows he's going to get hit. The helmet of our salvation works in much the same way. We receive the helmet of salvation because we're saved. You can't put a helmet of salvation on if you're not saved. Do you hear me? You can think all you want to, oh, God loves me, God loves me. But if you've never come to faith in Jesus Christ, you don't have a helmet to put on. You don't have the protection, the peace that goes beyond understanding. The helmet of salvation is something we receive because we are saved. I also want you to know that you're in a spiritual battle. And you cannot be engaged in the spiritual battle without the helmet of salvation. Gunner couldn't go on the football field and play without this on. You guys and ladies, you cannot fight the Christian battle and win victoriously if you do not have on the helmet of salvation. You can still be saved, but you're going to feel miserable a lot of times. God wants you to know that you're saved. That's why Paul says, take up the helmet of salvation. That is, wear it. Put it on. Know that you belong to Jesus. Too many Christians are standing on the sidelines not wearing the helmet of salvation, looking around dazed and confused. The Lord wants us all on the battlefield. And I also want you to note this. Wearing the helmet of salvation does not guarantee that you will not experience questions, doubts, or fears about your salvation. Wearing the helmet of salvation will guard your mind in Christ when Satan attacks you and causes you to doubt your salvation. Do you know why John wanted believers to be assured of their salvation? Because he knew Satan would attack him and cause him to doubt. You know why Paul challenged believers to put on the helmet of salvation? Because he knew there were going to be times in life when the enemy was going to try to distract them and derail them from what God wanted to do in and through their lives. And so he said, take it up and put it on. You can be saved and you can know that you're saved if you know the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you have fellowship by the word of life? Do you have fellowship by walking in the light? Do you have true Christian fellowship with brothers and sisters in the family of faith? Do you have fellowship with God in heaven as your father through faith in his son? Do you pass the test of Christian fellowship? Do you have true faith in Christ? Here's how I challenge you this morning. If you're not saved, you can be right here, right now. In just a moment, there's going to be a song of invitation played. And when the song is played, if you're not saved and you want to be saved today, you can be saved. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. When the song is played, you stand up. And you walk right down here in the front to me and you say, Jake, 
I don't pass that test of Christian fellowship. I want to be saved today. If you'll believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, was buried and rose again, and if you'll confess with your mouth that He's Lord, He'll save you. If you're here today and you are saved, but man, you've been doubting it, you've been struggling, you've been worried, Satan's been attacking you, causing you to doubt and fear, here's what I want to challenge you to do. Stand up. Walk down here and kneel down at this altar. And say, God, I know, I know I passed these tests from your word today. God, I know that I'm saved. God, I put on the helmet of salvation. And I want you to stand up after you pray. Having put on that armor of God. Knowing that you know Jesus. Father God, we come to you this morning. And Lord, I pray that as you have spoken to hearts through your word, that you would continue to work in hearts and lives even now. God, I pray if there's anyone here today who is not saved, that they would truly come to know Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that if there's anyone here today who is still in their hearts and their minds doubting salvation, that they have received already through faith in Jesus Christ, that they would rest assured today based on the promise of your word, the test of Christian fellowship, that they belong to you. Father God, you move and work in hearts now. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray.